This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Welcome to Invest Talk. Above average investing for the average investor. We try to bring you useful information and answer any questions you might have as long as they're financial. Now, this is our one hour to talk about your financial planning for your retirement. That could mean simply transitioning from a, your job to, you know, maybe doing what you want to do rather than what you have to do. Maybe you'll make money at that, maybe you won't. You need financial freedom. We all need financial freedom. At some point, you're not going to be able to be an active worker. And maybe because you can't, or they they you get laid off or fired, no one wants to hire you. No matter what they say out there, there is age discrimination. I think that's by far the most pervasive discrimination out there is age discrimination. But uh, or you just don't want to work anymore. One of those three things will happen. So you need to be financially independent. Therefore, you need to make really good decisions now, saving money, investing money. Help to help it make it grow. And you certainly can't be too conservative these days because putting money in the money market, you make less than a half a percent. You don't make hardly anything in, in savings, account, nothing. So putting it there is you're losing money to inflation. Even though inflation is very low, you're still losing money, losing buying power. So let's talk about those things. 888 99 is my number. What do you have for you? What, what I have for you today is index investing versus buying mutual funds. Now, don't get confused. You can buy an index mutual fund that will index, but let's talk about performances and costs and those kinds of things. That's going to be our main talking point today. Now, you'll, of course, drive the topics of what we're going to discuss. The number is 888-99-CHART. That's our anytime number. So let's get to the phones right now. We try to answer your questions live during this hour, 4 to 5 Pacific time, Monday through Friday. But if you can't do that, that's okay. We're going to go to Dave in San Diego. How are you doing, Dave? I'm uh, real new to this game, and I have a question about IRAs. Okay. Yeah, I've got some money in a, uh, a 401k from an, uh, a different employer. Yes. And... Uh, you know, I don't want to just leave it in their, no. you know, their 401. Right. And I'd like to roll it into an IRA. Yes. Two-part question on that. Would I be able to take the uh, IRA deduction if I do that? No, you would not, because it's already in, in a tax-deferred vehicle already in the okay. old 401k. So rolling okay. it over does nothing as far as being tax-deductible. Now, once okay. it's in an IRA, you can add to the IRA and deduct that amount you added. That is the second part of my question. Okay. I've heard a lot of talk, you know, you can have this and that in an IRA, you can have stocks, bonds, right. blah, blah, blah. How exactly do you do that? Okay, very good question. First of all, a 401k, if you work for some an employer who offers a 401k and then you stop working for them, the best thing to do is roll that into an IRA. But the question is, how do I do that? It's very, very easy. Depending on what you want to do with the IRA, of course, with a 401k, you have choices in mutual funds. You can roll that 401k into like a Fidelity, a Vanguard, a Schwab. I actually prefer Schwab, but believe it or not, into an account. And all you do is go to them and say, I want to roll my 401k that I no longer work there right now into a new IRA, uh, let's say at the Schwab program where I can pick all, any and all mutual funds, no load mutual funds I want. And they'll be happy to do that. 
We do it all the time where someone comes to us and wants to roll it into one of our programs. We do it for them. We, of course, have to get the paperwork, but we do it for them. We roll it from a 401k into a custodian, maybe Bear Stearns or Schwab or, you know, there's many of them. And then from there, we manage the money on the IRA. Now, there is no tax consequences when you roll it directly from a tax-deferred 401k to a tax-deferred IRA. It's also not a contribution to an IRA because it's going from, you're just swapping. It's, it's an equal trade. And once you open IRA, you can now add money to that IRA if you wanted to. You can contribute to the IRA. And of course, there's depends on how, if you make too much money, you can't, but that's a pretty big number. You just go to whomever you trust that you want to roll this into. It could be a bank. And if you want to just put in a savings account, you go to the bank and say, I want to roll this 401k into a savings account. They'll help you with the paperwork. It's very, very simple, Dave. And if you have more questions about it, just call me at the office, 800-557-5461. 800-557-5461. That's my office number. Be happy to discuss it at length with you. Thank you. Thanks. Let's go to Kevin in Orlando. How are you doing, Kevin? Hey, Steve. Happy holidays. Thank you, and thanks for the call. So I have a question about taking capital losses uh, with the year coming to an end. Yes. I wanted to know how do I decide uh, whether to sell stocks that I've taken a loss on, for example, JNUG or Tiva, and how do I decide whether uh, to get a short, short-term capital loss? Okay. For first of all, benefit? first of all, Kevin, do you have you figured out what your short-term and long-term capital gains are for this year? Not precisely, but overall, I am down in, um, for this year. Okay, so let's say you have no capital gains, short-term or long-term, this year. Then there's absolutely no reason to take capital loss if you don't if you don't want to. And in other words, you want to hold on to those stocks because the only time you if you the good solid companies you want to keep, you only you know there's no reason to sell them just to offset capital gains taxes. Now this is the time you you want to offset capital gains. And short-term means uh, one, you've owned the stock one year or less, less than a year. Long-term or one year or longer, okay? Longer than a year. Those are short-term versus long-term capital gains and losses. So whenever you do this, this, this yearly dance of should I, you know, I need, I need to take capital losses, your first project is to figure out how many short-term capital gains and short, long-term capital gains I have. And then you go through your portfolio and say, well, which stocks do I want, do I have losses in, and do I want to offset my gains? Because remember, Kevin, you can buy back that stock that you're selling today in 31 days. You can't buy it back right away. It's called a washthrough. You can't buy it back right away. But after 31 days, you can buy it back, and then you offset your gains in the last year, and now you buy, buy the stock back 31 days later, and you're back in it, if that's, if that's what you like. So that's how you kind of decide. Look at your gains first, short-term and long-term. Then figure out where your losses are that you, you need to offset. And that's how you Got decide it. which ones you offset. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much, Steve. Thanks for the call, Kevin. appreciate it. This is the Best Off, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley. Uh, self-employed individuals who are considering their solo 401k must establish an account before year end. If you, that's what you want. If you have a small business and you want a self-employed 401k, you got to do it before the end of the week. And heads up from Invest Talk, everybody. Have a year-end money plan question? Well, any money questions, good for me. 888-99-CHART.
listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99CHART, 888 99CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. 888 99CHART is our number, 888 992 4278. Jamie, San Diego, how you doing? Hi, Steve. Thanks for taking the call. Thanks for calling. Steve, you oftentimes talk about a chart that uh-huh. is a triple top, double top, and yes, so ma'am. on and so forth. Yeah. What period of time do you go look at it? Three years, nine okay. months? Very good question, Jamie. Very good. And these are the kind of questions where I can go in more detail and show you in our conferences that we have uh, because it's a very good question. You first start with, Jamie, a one-year daily chart. In other words, it's a daily chart of the stock price over one-year period. Okay. That's where you look for double and triple tops in the last 12 months. If the stock chart's not really telling you much, you can go back now to three years. Okay. But usually in that one-year period, it tells you a story. All right. Okay, but we generally look at a daily charts. I usually go back to, I go to a, what's called a weekly chart, and that goes back about four years. Okay. So I, I do that just to get a feel for what's really happening. Is this stock continuing to move up? Has it been here two years ago at this price and just can't seem to move from it? That kind of thing is what you're looking at. All right. Okay, Jamie? Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for the call. How about Leon and San Mateo? Hi, Leon. How you doing? I've been listening to you guys' show for maybe about a week now. Okay. And, um, I'm not an investor at all. Okay. But I've always uh, wanted to get in. I have no clue at all on, on what process it takes to get into doing something like this. I don't have a whole lot of money, but okay. still, I would really like to uh, get okay. into the market and, and keep learning more from your program as well as other things I see on the Internet. Okay, Leon, you know, it's a great question. And just by the fact that you're listening and have the interest, you will be able to do this. It's not rocket science. I keep telling people... You don't have to be a genius. You just have to have the interest. And yes, everybody started from somewhere. You just don't wake up in the morning and therefore you you know everything. No one. Lee and I learn stuff all the time. And I've been doing this for years. Now, if I can, let me give you a couple of suggestions, you know, if you're just starting out. First of all, don't buy just one stock. That's not a good way to start. I would suggest if you are going to start buying stuff, you either buy mutual funds or what's called exchange-traded funds, ETFs, okay. which are like mutual funds, but they, they buy and sell like stocks. And they're baskets of stocks, ETFs. Go to E-Trade, the ETF center on ETrade.com, uh-huh. and they'll tell you and describe the, the ETFs. And, you know, you okay. can have an ETF of like an oil sector. You can have ETF in a country, you know, like China. You can have an ETF in biotech. So it gives you some more diversification, but you don't have a lot of money. You can buy just a few shares if you want. Oh, okay. Now, that will get you into the game a little bit, to play a little bit, but I would suggest that you read first and read some of the basic books. Peter Lynch is a very easy book, Peter Lynch Beating the Street. I would strongly suggest that book. That book okay. is 200 pages, okay? okay? Very easy to read. Oh, okay. Beating the Street is an older book, but it's still in print. Or One Up on Wall Street by Peter Lynch. Also, I would suggest that you come to our conference, and we are all about teaching. These are teaching conferences. That's all they're all about. And if you have an interest and you want to get into a newsletter, we put out a newsletter, and the second section, we have four sections. It comes out every week. The second section is how to manage a portfolio of stocks, how to do it. 
Okay. Might be something you're interested in. Go to investtalk.com. You can sign up for there. comes out every Friday. Oh, okay. You know, just by the fact that you are interested, you will learn how to do this. Okay. Leon, well, appreciate thank, the call. Thank you. Thanks for calling. 888-99-CHART. Let's look at our list of topics we're going to talk about. Index investing versus buying mutual funds. We'll talk about that. And I want to talk about, uh, is the market going to fall in 2018? <coughs> what is it going to do in 2018? I'm not going to try to predict, but I'm going to give some examples of, of the past. And I want to talk about the three top-ranked index funds that aren't built to handle the next stock market crash. Do you know there's different kinds of, for instance, do you know there's different types of S&P 500 funds? There's market-weighted. A capital, a market cap weighted and equal weighted index. Do you know what the difference are? And finally, I want to talk about home prices. Came out today, the quarterly home price survey by Case Schiller. What is that telling us? And what is the home price and home uh, single family home market look like for next year, 2018? If we can get to those topics, that what I'm, that's what I want to talk about. But of course. You drive the show. I don't. You do. So whatever topics you want to discuss is what we're going to discuss. Everybody's talking about cryptocurrencies. And I asked some people at the office, do you know what they actually are? And there's a lot of confusion what a cryptocurrency is. Do you think that you actually can hold on to a cryptocurrency in your hand? Can you? Does it physically exist in your hand? Can you get one to physically put it in your hand? Do you know the answer? I'm financial advisor Steve Peasley. Another in heads up. You know, we're one of the best ways to reduce taxable income is through pre-tax contributions to a company retirement plan, self-employed retirement account, or maybe an IRA. You gotta do it. Put money in before the year end, guys. Well, you actually got till for the IRA before you got time. Actually, four year in. You really do. You're listening to Invest Talk. You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99 Chart, 888 99 C H A R T, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. Now, you all probably know by now what an index fund is. An index fund is a fund, any kind of fund that tracks an index. And an index is nothing more but a group of stocks. For instance, the Dow Industrials is a, a group of 30 stocks. It's, been, it's an index fund that's been around the longest. The S&P 500 is a group of the 500 largest stocks. And that's an index of all those, those companies. Uh, there's a, there's the uh, uh, NASDAQ 100, there's a Russell 2000, Russell 5000, Russell 1000. There's a lot of different indexes, and you can buy all these indexes. You, you can buy the entire index through a, a mutual fund that tracks the index or through an ETF that tracks the index. And these indexes are constructed in different ways, and uh, that's going to be another talking point here this hour if I can get to it. So the question is... You know, they've been very, very popular in the last few years because they get very popular in both phases of the market. And thank goodness the market 
over long periods of time is a bull market. I mean, there are years and years where it's a bear market, but we have been in a bull market since 2009. And that's a long time for a bull market to exist. And we call these secular bull markets and secular bear markets. And we're in a secular bull market. They can last from not, the, the averages, the shortest one is nine years. The longest one is 25. Both short term, uh, secular bull and bear. So we're in, we're at the end, we're at the end of the beginning of the secular bull market. That doesn't mean it's going to stop and all of a sudden become a secular bear market next year. No, remember it can go. The average I think is 18 years, so it can go for a long time. So don't 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 worry about it yet. But when we're in a bull market, indexing becomes very very popular because most mutual funds and money managers have a very difficult time beating the indexes. Very difficult time. And one of the main reasons is, is because they charge a fee. It's very difficult. Mutual funds charge a fee too. So they will have a hard time beating the index. Even all the mutual funds, even if they're tracking the index, they won't beat the index because they have a fee. Now, the, the question you have to ask yourself is, do you want to be in the index? Do you want the risk of the market? And where a money manager such as myself comes in, where you want one, it's controlling the risk that you're exposing yourself to the market. Maybe you're looking for income. You're not just want to track an index. And when the market starts to fall, if you stay in the index long enough, you'll be just fine. You just have to stay with the index. And there may be years where it goes down. Years. Years. You know how hard it is to be patient like that? And that most people can't do it. Can't. So when it becomes a bear market, most people most people can't hang around. Think about 2008 when the market went down, what, 45%. Tons of people got out of the market. And that is more of an emotional response. We know that. And it is common because people are emotional. It's very hard not to do it. A quick reminder, if there's a term that you hear mentioned on the program, but you're unclear about what it means or you have a question about it, we want you to ask. It's very likely that you're not the only one with that same question. 888-99-CHART. Let's go back to the 24-hour listener line. 888-99-CHART is the number. Hey, Steve. Hey, Justin. It's Dom from Philadelphia. I was just wondering, in hopes to de-risk my portfolio, uh, what your thoughts are on preferred stock. And in particular, PGF, that is Paul Garrett Fred. It is a preferred uh, ETF. Look forward to hearing your answer on the podcast. Thank you. Preferred, there's no, absolutely nothing wrong with preferred stocks. Preferred stock is, is, acts more like a bond than a stock. Because you have a particular yield it agrees to pay, and you're going to get that yield until whatever time period. Many preferreds are callable. In other words, the company can call them back when they want to. Many, many are not. You just have to understand how they work. They, they act more like a bond. And this particular uh, issue you're talking about is not a preferred stock, but rather an exchange-traded fund seeking performance corresponding to the Wells Fargo 
Hybrid Preferred Securities Financial Index. So you need to know what the Hybrid Preferred Securities Financial Index is. What does it do? Now, you know it's going to pay a high yield because that's what preferreds do. Remember, they act like bonds. So that's how they are. You've got to look at them differently. And the way you look at them differently is you're looking at the income. You focus on the income. If you're income focused, then this is the kind of ETF that you could buy and make a decent income on. So I don't have a problem with it. PowerShares Financial Preferred. PGF, PGF. But you got to really find out what the Wells Fargo Hybrid Preferred Securities Financial Index does. What do you mean? What do you mean by hybrid preferred? What's hybrid mean? There, you're going to have to get the prospectus. Read it. Do you have questions about FDIC security, mortgages, money market funds, losses to your retirement plans? Give us a call today, 888-99-CHART. What's your topic today? What do you want to talk about? My direct line between 4 and 5 Pacific time is 888-99-CHART. Our podcast continues next. The process of investing is more than just picking stocks. Investing begins with savings, of course, and along the way, there are issues about taxes and then estate planning and on and on. KPP Financial clients have a ready resource of information about any and all of these personal financial matters. All they need to do is ask. Managing your money gets more complex every day, and there are more options than the average person could possibly comprehend. And when we're confronted with too many choices, research shows that people put off decisions, important decisions. Most times, that's not productive. KPP Financial's philosophy is the more their clients know, the more successful they'll be, and the more predictable their future will be. KPP Financial, serving the average investor, helping them find solutions. Now let's continue with the podcast. You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99CHART, 888 99CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. Hi, Steve and Justin. My name is Vijay. I'm calling from North Carolina. I listen to your show quite often, well, pretty much every day. I had a rather basic question about conversion to Roth IRA. What I have heard and what I've known is, you know, Roth, you pay the taxes up front, and a regular IRA, your traditional IRA, you pay the taxes when you take out the money. From what I understand, when I take out the money at age 59 and a half or 70 or whatever, the gains will be taxed at my effective income tax rate in that year. So is that correct? Because I'm 47 years old and I hope to retire within the next, I don't know, five to six years or something. And then I don't expect my income to be at the same level. So why does it, in my opinion, I, I, I'll be better off 
just having a traditional IRA instead of the Roth IRA so that I don't pay the taxes at my current income level and I pay the taxes at my income level, which is, you know, whatever it will be at that time. Could you please clarify that? I'm looking forward to listening to your response on your show tomorrow. Thank you. Okay. In a Roth, make sure we understand this. When you're talking about a Roth IRA, you only pay the tax on the money that you put in. So you're paying money after tax money into a Roth. That's it. Never, ever, once it's in the Roth, never, ever, ever, ever do you pay taxes again. You can take, when you retire, you can take it all out in one day. You won't have to pay 10 on the tax. It can grow, triple, quadruple, whatever it does. You can take all that money out. You never have to pay a cent in tax. There is no tax on, a, on, the, on the Roth when you take it out at retirement. No tax. None. Zero. Nada. A regular IRA, you put money in there pre-tax. You don't pay income tax on the money you put in there. So you get to deduct from your gross income for the year you put it in, the amount you put into your IRA, or your 401k for that matter. Then it grows over all the years. And when you start taking that out, you have to add that to the income in that year and pay your income tax on it. Okay? So a regular IRA, when you start taking out in retirement, you do pay income tax on it, but the thinking is you'll be in a lower tax bracket, so it'll be a lower taxes. So remember, Roth, never, ever, ever do you have to pay a tax on any other withdrawal in retirement. Ever. Okay? hope that's clear, because... It's a very clear distinction between a Roth and a regular IRA. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. So what do you want to talk about? What's on your mind? Well, how about um, home prices? The Case-Shiller report comes out every quarter. You know there's one Case-Shiller home report that comes out monthly, but there's one that comes out quarterly, too, and it compares from quarter to quarter to quarter. And that was up like seven-tenths of a percent. But year over year, when you compare the price of that same house as a year ago, it was up 6.2% from a year ago. So that that's how much prices have been going up. And it's been going up, up that way and will probably continue to have upward pressure on housing prices. Builders are pretty upbeat. There's a shortage of homes. The only There is a few headwinds, and the headwinds are getting a little bit stronger and a little bit stronger. Uh, because of what's going on. For instance, you know the Fed has said they're going to raise rates next year three times. Well, the Fed doesn't control mortgage rates, but they do control the Fed fund rate. And that means banks have to borrow from the Fed at a higher price, so they then kind of tend to pass that along when they issue mortgages. So there's going to be upward pressure on mortgages. The price of homes, which I just told you went up 6.2% for year over year, are getting higher, therefore reducing the pool of potential home buyers. So you got that little bit of headwind. Now the tax law, the tax law, that also has a little headwind. There's a little headwind of that too. So those are your headwinds that are, are being faced. Okay, 
888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. How would you like to invest in the same program as your financial advisors? You can do that, you know. You can join the KPP. We have various programs. I put the same money in those same programs for myself as I do for my client. We have shared success. When you approach retirement, there are some complex decisions to make about your home. Sell it and downsize? Fix it up? Well, now you can have another source of answers for your real estate questions. Get a note to our onboard licensed real estate consultant. Just click on Contact Justin on investtalk.com and he'll get right back to you. 888-99-CHART. How you doing, BJ? BJ from Fremont. How's it going? Uh, doing good. Happy holidays, Steve. I hope you're enjoying it. I am. Thank you very much. Yeah. So my question today is uh, about the international markets, uh-huh. and I'm thinking of investing a little bit in China and emerging market. What's your opinion about that? Some of the fidelity funds have an emerging market and China uh, specific fund. I'm much, so, I'm much more comfortable in the emerging markets, BJ. They, they are coming around. They had a, they, their market did better than our markets this year. So the emerging markets, I'm a bit more comfortable than China. Uh, even though I don't, I don't think you know you have to. When you say China, are you talking about mainland? Or are you talking about uh, Hong Kong? Because they have ETS for yeah, Hong is, Kong, Taiwan. It is, it is. Yeah, it is China fund actually. China okay, the China fund. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I that would that one's going to be a bit more risky. I'm not saying it's going to go down or anything, but it's going to be a bit more risky because China has a lot of uh, distortions. And I just saw today that the Chinese government is, is coming down hard or harder on their their big corporations that the Chinese government owns a majority of them telling them they have to start making profits and quit borrowing money. And they've been, you know, they, they, they don't really have a free market there. The Chinese government, yeah. you know, so I'm, little, I'm more comfortable with emerging markets because you get to spread it out and it's not just in one country. Whereas if you buy China, you're, you're relying on China. And their, their, just growth, their growth is slowing down. I don't know. It's just not, it's just, I'm, I'm a bit worried about China. Mainland China. Do you, think, uh, do you think on the same line Europe has already recovered enough or there's room for further improvement there? I think there's room for, for the further growth in Europe. I do. I do. Okay. It's okay. Thanks, BJ. Appreciate the call. Have a good New Year's. Tops on our list of priorities is your call, everybody. Bring your questions to us anytime. Let's take a question from our 24-hour list line. How about we go to Mike in Fremont? How you doing, Mike? Oh, doing pretty good. How are you up there? Down here, I'm doing great. Good. I've been listening for about a year, and this is my first time calling in. Well, thanks. And, and if I could, could I uh, just take the answer on the air on this? And it may be just common knowledge, but it sure. seems to me on my mutual funds that they all seem to take a dive in December. And there is a specific reason, Mike. Okay. And it's not just yours. <laughs> yeah, you can take it off the air. That's okay. Yeah, good. Thanks. Sure. Mike, it's just not yours. It's many, many, many mutual funds do this, and this is why. It's very, very simple. In December, sometimes in November, many times in December, these mutual funds do what's called a capital gains distribution. Now, if you think about it, it'll make sense. Think about what a mutual fund does. It buys and sells stocks all year long, right, inside the mutual fund. When it does that, 
hopefully it's making money. And if it's making money, it's incurring capital gains tax. But it doesn't pay capital gains tax, just like you do, don't, until you do your taxes. Well, they have to distribute, mutual funds have to distribute those capital gains to you so that you can put them on your taxes. So what will happen at the end of the year, if a mutual fund has a high turnover rate, meaning they buy and sell, buy and sell, buy and sell a lot during the year, and they've made money on those buy and sells, they would distribute those capital gains to you in the end of the year. Let's say the mutual fund is selling for $10 a share, and one day in December, you see it go to $9.50. All of a sudden, one day, you never they never tell you what day it is, so you can't sell it the day before, you do not know. They actually give you that 50 cents, by the way. They give that 50 cents to you. You'll see it coming into your portfolio if you're looking carefully. And then you have to pay the taxes on capital gains on your return when you get your 1099. So what it is, it's that jump down in November, December in one day is a capital gains distribution. That's what that's called. Many, many mutual funds do it. The ones who don't do it are the ones that don't have capital gains distributions. They don't have the capital gains. Let's say your mutual fund buys a stocks uh, in December of one year, and they never sell those stocks for a full year. You will not have any capital gains distribution, and the net asset value of the, tr the, you know, the cost of the fund will not go down. So one thing we kind of look at is the capital gains liabilities, which you can find out, by the way, during the year. We actually cut back a couple of mutual funds because we expected large, we didn't sell them outright, but we expected large capital gains distributions and we were trying to avoid it. Sometimes you're successful, sometimes you're not. So Mike, that's what that is. It's very common and it's in the end of the year and it happens a lot. Don't think you're doing anything wrong or they're doing anything wrong. That's not true. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Okay. Do you, we were just talking about index funds, right, and indexing. And do you know the difference between market weight index and equal weight indexes? Now, equal weight index means that every, let's, let's talk about the S&P 500, because there is an equal weight index and a market weight index. That, that index right now is, is market weighted. The normal way people quote it and you hear about it is it's market weighted, market cap weighted meaning the size of the company, the bigger the company, the more effect it will have on the price of the index. And that's why the FANG stocks, F-A-A-N-G, drove the index up very sharply this year. FANG is meaning Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, and Google. Those are big, big companies, and the bigger the company, the more impact they have on the price of the index going up or down. But an equal-weighted index means that all companies have the same amount of weight or power to drive the index up or down. And that, and that did better. That The equal-weighted index did better than the normal S&P 500 index. That was market cap-weighted. did better. But the problem is, is it will do worse in the down market. It will do worse. So you have to understand why, because you're waiting that, you know, even though the S&P 500, there are 500 big companies, you go from the biggest company down to the smallest company in that index, the smallest company has the same effect on the price of the index. 
So what, are the, what would be the difference? What would be the difference? Okay, during the bear market from October 2007 to 2009, remember the 2008 bear market, the, SM, the, the equal weighted S&P 500 index what, weight version fell 3.6% more than the normal S&P 500. 3.6% more. On the upside, from the bull market we've been in, for how much up has it been? What is the? How much more does it perform on the upside? Two percent. Two percent in this most recent bull run for this year. Two percent. So you're taking more risk, and you're thinking, well, what's two percent up or three percent down? Well, it it could be significant. <laughs> And it might be a lot more painful than you're willing to handle. I just want you to understand that people wrote about for all year long how well the, the uh, equal weighted index is done. And you're getting in it and you think it's a wonderful thing. Well, as long as you go in with your eyes open, I don't have a problem with it. Just know that it's going to be more volatile. It's riskier than the other market cap weighted normal S&P 500. And that's true for all equal weighted indexes. They're more risky. It's not. It's nothing more than that. And now it's a question of how much risk. Well, a swing of about five percent up and down. And that's what at least for the S and P five hundred. Okay, eight 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 ninety nine chart. Here's an investing term you should know. What is the residual residual value? Residual residual value. What is the residual value? The residual value of a fixed asset is an estimate of how much it will be worth at the end of its lease or at the end of its useful life. Okay, how much is it worth after end of its lease or its useful life, depending on how you're using the term. The lessor uses residual value as one of its primary methods for determining how much the lessee pays for its useful life. Think about a uh, leased car. The residual value is what the, what the car is worth when your lease is up. Okay? A general rule, the longer the useful life or lease period of an asset, the lower is residual uh, value. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. If you'd like to get your question in before we're up for the day, we're beginning or final segment of the day is now on, uh, upon us. You have just one more segment. 888-99-CHART is our direct line. and do it right now. Core presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments though, 888 99CHART, 888 99CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk.
Hi, Stephen, Justin. This is Rob calling from Las Vegas. A uh, question for you regarding a uh, good time to sell a position. Sometimes uh, I know a lot of investors have either buyer's remorse or seller's remorse on uh, purchasing or, or selling one of their positions. Is there a disciplined way on uh, when you guys sell part of your holdings, uh, if it's risen by a certain percentage, or what's a good, uh, I guess, methodology for that? On the buy side, you, you always hear about FOMO, the fear of missing out. I know people who have, for example, purchased Bitcoin or some of one of those holdings for $10,000, and it's gotten to you know, 190000 or so, and um, you always hear about fear of missing out. I, I don't want to pursue that. I, I think it's really speculative right now, but I guess my, my question leans towards the other side. What's, what's a good way or a good disciplined way to, to sell some of your holdings? I'll listen for your answer on the podcast. Thank you. Well, one way is to understand why you bought them Write those rules down. This is why you buy. It's growing its earnings. It's got a great product. The management is good. And then when those things, something in that group changes, is no longer true, sell it. That's one way. Another way is you can use just rules that take you out automatically. Like a long-term moving average is the 200-day moving average. If the stock goes below the 200-day moving average, Sell it. So you can set up rules and different kinds of methodology. There is no one way to do it. There is no one you know, good, consistent way to get out. Because the 200-day moving average depends on how volatile the stock is. You know, Maybe it will work good on a really big blue chip stock that doesn't move very much. And maybe it won't work very good on a high growth very fast-moving stocks because it would be so far above the 200-day moving average, you'll lose all your gains by the time it broke below it to give you a sell signal. and you just So there's different methods for different things. I wish I could tell you it's easy. It is not. Selling is a lot harder than buying. It's a lot harder. Uh, some people make the, the, the what, one of the most common rookie mistakes I see and it's as people as they sell their flowers and water their weeds. In other words, those stocks have done really, really well, they sell them. And those stocks that have done really, really poor, they buy more of them. That's not the way you should be doing it. Okay? So there is no one answer. I wish there was. There just isn't. And I apologize. That's about as best I can give you. If someone gives you some kind of magic wand or magic method or secret method, run the other way because there isn't any. Let's go to Ken in Temecula. How are you doing, Ken? Hey, Steve. I'm very interested in technical analysis. I'm relatively a new investor in individual stocks. Uh-huh. And I, I use the MACD and the stochastic indicators. Those are good indicators. Evaluating charts, but... Sometimes the MACD, when it's below the zero line and it looks like it's in a buy trend, mm-hmm. it, and then I look at the stochastic indicator, it might be above 80 mm-hmm. and looking like a sell signal. And I wanted to know if there's a correlation between the two or how would you use In that situation, indicators? you yeah. wouldn't react to the stock at all because you have total divergence of two indicators, which indicates confusion. To you okay. as a trader, that would say, wait a minute, and you're, you're reading them right. You're saying, wait a minute, one's a buy, one's a sell. What am I supposed to do? In those cases, do nothing. 
Okay. You want to look at other indicators to confirm. Okay. Uh, but what I like to do, uh, use the MACD and accumulation and distribution line and the on-balance volume line, I'm looking at all three. If they're all three lined up, that gives me more comfort. Those four indicators combined together looking good rather than mm-hmm. uh, one looking good and the other maybe not looking good. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And you got to okay. make sure the stock price itself also kind of tracks. Okay, well, that's a good buy point, too, on the stock price itself. Ken, the more you look at these charts, the better you'll get at it. Very interesting. Okay, yeah, it is interesting. A little complicated, a little confusing, but interesting. It's like learning a whole language, Ken, a whole different language of some kind. That's what it's doing. Good luck with it, Ken. Hope it works for you. Thanks. Time to wrap it up, everybody. A reminder, if you're not near our California offices, I can meet with you via Skype or telephone. Or one-to-one retirement portfolio review if you wish it's easy if you'd like to set up a time just go to investtalk.com and click on the invest talk tab then portfolio review i'm financial advisor steve peasley president of kpp financial a registered investment advisor firm and for justin klein everybody at kpp family i want to thank you for listening and we can do it again tomorrow Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for listeners to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are principals of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, which retains all rights. Perspectives before investing. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are principals.